Uh, a very special Sunday for us because it's our World Project Missions um, Commitment Service. So uh, you have in your seats a commitment card, and as the service progresses, you're going to understand what that's all about. But we're excited because, I, I tell you what, I, I look at these maps on both sides, and my heart is filled with joy because I get to be a part of a church that supports 173 missionaries all over the world. I think the greatest act of compassion you and I could ever be a part of is to share the gospel with someone, especially sharing the gospel with people so far away, we could never meet them or talk to them personally, but through our missionaries, we're able to send the gospel to them. Make no mistake, being a part of this makes a huge difference around the world in ways that only eternity will let us understand. Today, we've, uh, we're, we're glad to introduce our missionaries. We've had a great time with them. Um, I always, on Sundays at, at, at the World Project Missions Conference, I always feel like, wow, I, I get to be with them all week, which is so awesome, and I only wish you could have joined me through all of those experiences, but I wanna introduce them to you, and then we're gonna hear from them today. So first of all, we have the Clarks, and they are from London. Let's give them a hand. Uh, so great to have them. We have the, uh, the Alvarez's from Uruguay. Okay, uh, yes, let's give them a hand. And then we have the Gaonas, and they are going to Spain, and they all have wonderful families. I'm so glad you brought your kids, because they are the best. I'm serious, and uh, I've enjoyed having them with us so very much. Um, Gary has something to give each one of our missionary families, just as a way of saying thank you for being with us. And I know it's not free to travel the country and get where you're going, so we want to help out a little bit in that, in that area as well. So um, thank you for being here. And now we're gonna, we're gonna move into our message time. So um, let, me, let me move that right along here, okay. Uh, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 28, the very last thing that Jesus said as it's recorded in Matthew's gospel is this. I mean, and, and I want you to listen to this and feel like this is the words of Jesus to you, to us, on this day in Springfield, Missouri. And this is what Jesus said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That's a huge statement. He goes on, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. And these words have inspired churches to send missionaries. It has inspired missionaries to go to far-flung areas of the world, believing that the God who sent his son and Jesus who gives this command is gonna be with them and make a difference. And I know that you're gonna see that that is true as you hear from our missionaries today. And so I'm gonna invite um, our, our first missionary to come up and speak. Uh, let me in, invite, yes, come, Gerardo. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, buenos dias. There, there you go. I just want to say 
Thank you so much for this great opportunity that you've given us to be here and share our, our lives, testimony. And uh, let me tell you a story real quick right here. About 70 years ago, about 70 years ago, upon the mountains in Mexico, there was this young lady. Now, this place in Mexico is a remote place, okay? Even today, if you want to go to that place, there's no, like, uh, pavement, you know? There's no concrete. It's, it's a road, um, dirt roads. So if you want to go there, even today from the interstate, it will take you approximately uh, two and a half hours with a good pickup truck. Okay, now imagine 70 years ago, right? Not easy access, right? Um, beautiful play, pine trees, and it's green. And from time to time, they have snow and this beautiful and amazing place, but no, no easy access, right? No water, no electricity, anything like that. So this young lady lives in this place, and she said that one day she heard like music, okay, playing. So she ran out, she left. What she was doing ran out, and then she describes the scene like this. She said that she saw a lot of young people, you know, riding horses and pulling wagons. And these people were singing, okay, were singing. And long story short, there were missionaries going village after village to bring the good news of Jesus. And that day, this young lady, she surrendered her life to Jesus. She trusted the Lord Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And she was so impacted by it that she said, one day when God gives me children, well, my son is going to be a missionary. So, well, she, um, she was so impacted by it that she had her first son, right? And then she had a, a daughter, and then she had a, another son. And then she had another daughter, and then she had another daughter, and then she had actually another daughter, and then she had 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 another son, and then she had me. How many? Come on, somebody, how many? Eleven, right? Eleven, but here's the point. I don't want you to miss this out. Please, please, please. Somebody 70 years ago was willing to hear the voice of God and leave their comfort zone and say, I'll go. I'll go. 70 years ago, somebody said, I'm going to give so someone can go to places where nobody else maybe would like to go. And that's when my mom said, I trust the Lord as my Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And then she prayed boldly and said, I want my son to be a missionary. Well, it was not my oldest brother, but me here today. And maybe someone has been praying for you today to go as somebody prayed for me to go. I want to tell you this. Missions is real today as it was 70 years ago. Missions is real today as it was real 70 years ago. So what will be our response Today, would you go? Will you give? Would you, would you step out of faith and say, I want to leave my comfort zone and hear the voice of God and go because I want to go. I want to go. And I'm so grateful for churches like you that step out of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to give. But maybe, maybe God is calling you to go because missions is real today. And that's the only reason why from Mexico, this guy right here from Mexico, 
uh, started his journey at a young age and became a pastor, then uh, came to the States. Now we're going to Spain and continue continue spreading the good news of Jesus. And I think that is great. And that's the encouragement for us, for you and me today. Will you step out of faith and give? Will you step out of faith and go? What will be your response today? I want to leave you with that challenge. And God bless you, church. Good morning. We are honored that we are part of this missions conference this morning. Um, I believe this morning that everyone can, in this room, can commit to give to missions because of the two reasons that I'm going to talk about you. Number one, you give so we continue to support missionaries also, and also send a new generation to the world. It is impactful in my heart when I met a gentleman that tells me that he has been part of High Street for 70 years, that he walked in this church for seven, when he was seven years old. And he has seen what happened around the world through all these years. So I want to take you back to Odessa, Texas, 1960, when a bus kid surrendered the call of God to become a missionary. And he prepared himself, and he arrived to the country of Uruguay in 1984. And he went there with his wife and this little beautiful daughter. And that only happens when people like us in this room can get behind missionaries and support them financially, especially through prayer. So we had to make that commitment and make it greater this morning. People also live around the world, people, people's lives around the world are transformed when they hear missionaries and they hear the gospel message. It was around 1965 when a young boy walked into a Baptist church in Montevideo, Uruguay, where my wife and I now were missionaries. He walked just wearing a pair of shorts, no shirt, no shoes. Here in America, we say no shirt, no shoes, or no trouble if you love country music, right? That missionary didn't care that that boy was just wearing a pair of shorts. He loved on him. He loved unto him. He led him to the Lord. He became a royal father. This young boy came from a difficult background. His grandmother was an alcoholic, and his father was also an alcoholic. But because a missionary loved unto him and led him to the Lord, that, that chain was, break, was breaking. And he was delivered from such a life. Then he got a call from the Lord to be a full-time pastor. And he got trained, and he became a full-time preacher. The young boy from Odessa, Texas, is my father-in-law. He's my dad. He's, he's my father-in-law. And that young boy that walked into the church with, with Jasper Shorts, he's my own father. The grace of God. I stand, be, I stand before you this morning as a sinner saved by grace because someone was willing to go but others, by people like you, were committing to give. Regardless of the amount, the impact of your giving has the highest value because life are changed with the gospel message. So remember these reasons this morning when you're going into the commitment time. We give so missionaries can go so they, when they go, 
they give the gospel, they will change and transform lives. I am so blessed that I grew up in a Christian home. And now when we go as missionaries, now we see little boys like Facundo, the drug dealer's son, that he comes and he's starving, and, he, and we feed them, and we teach them about Jesus. And our hope is that as my father's life was transformed because the missionary love unto him, unto him, that we will have the same amount of Christ's love to pour into the next generation. So we are honored to be here this morning. What you do has a great value. If you are not fully committed to missions, to give or to go, maybe I, we pray as missionaries that this will be the day that God will impress in your heart to jump in our team, whether it's by the giving, the giving side or whether it's by going. And grandparents and parents, if God calls your kids to go, trust the Lord. He has the greatest plan for all of us. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. Awesome, man. Well, good morning, everyone. You guys doing okay? These are the first service people. This is my favorite service. These are the ones that are really committed, man, because when you wake up early in the morning, man, sometimes you don't even know if you love Jesus, right? You're just so tired, and here you guys are at the missions conference. It's my favorite place to be is at a missions conference. All my life, I've been at missions conferences. And this is the place where we really get to plug in to what God is doing all around the world. I apologize. My name's Brian Clark. That's my wife. Do you see her right there? She hates it when I point her out. So if you guys could just look at her, that's her right there. She's amazing. She's the reason why we have a church in London. Me and my wife and my family, we are missionaries in the city of London. And the main thing that I want to do is I want to thank you. I wanna thank you so much for all of the years that you have supported us, that you have given to us, and I am happy to announce that because of you and because of all that you have given, there is a Bible-believing, disciple-making church that is in London where there was not one before, and that is because of you. I really want you to let that sink in. You have planted a church in London. And it's being pastored by a local Brit that we trained up. And I'm also excited to tell you that my wife, uh, who still loves me after 20 years on the mission field, which is a miracle in itself, uh, she is willing to go with me. We're going to go back to London, and we're going to try to plant number two in the very near future. I have to tell you that I think that I have the greatest job in the entire world. I love my job. Now, I mean, I could tell you about the hardships and the sacrifices, but whenever I get to lead someone who is lost to Christ, uh, whenever I get to open up the book and preach to my church, and especially when I get to sit across the table and I get to disciple, a young disciple, and you, you start to see the lights come on, oh my goodness, it, it makes me want to dance. Do you like to dance? We do a lot of dancing in our house, and let me tell you, it does not come easy to me. And why? Uh, because I'm a man, and because I am a Baptist, and because I am a preacher, and after 20 years in London, I am so very British. 
there are a lot of things working against me in the dancing department. But whenever I think about the souls that we will change for eternity, all of a sudden, let me tell you something, my hips begin to move. I don't know if you feel that. Do you feel that? My hips begin to find the music because I get so excited about reaching people for Jesus Christ. It's like a fire in me. I can't do anything else. I really do want to reach people for Jesus Christ. And what an honor it is for me to be here in this place with the history that you guys have of reaching people for Jesus Christ, to be at High Street Church, a place that shares my passion for reaching the world and for reaching lost souls for Christ. The city of London is a mega city where the most popular religion is secular humanism that is mixed with magic. The Londoners have become what C.S. Lewis predicted that they would. They are the materialists and they are the magicians. They have closed their eyes to the existence of God while at the same time they embrace the magic of spiritual forces and they use them for nothing but for this material world and the exaltation of self. That is the true religion of London. But if you will drive just about 10 minutes from our house down to Giggs Hill Road, you'll find a little church where that is not the case. You will find a little church there where it is filled with disciples. It is filled with soul winners. What you will find there is you'll find a church. And very soon in the near future, there will be two of them. So on behalf of my family, my wife, my kids, behalf of our church in London, and behalf of the 10 million lost souls that live there, we want to thank you for sending us and for standing with us. But this morning, I wanna, I wanna ask you something. As you look at these commitment cards, you've got them, right? As you look at these commitment cards, you just kind of stare at it. I want us to ask a question. What does this card really mean? What is it that exactly that is, is, is happening behind this card? What I want to do for just a second is I want to explain to you the anatomy of giving by way of my own personal experience. I can remember... 20 years ago, I can't believe that we've been on the field that long. And you're thinking to yourself, that can't be, Brian. You look fantastic. But it's true. We've been on the field 20 years. And I can remember when we were getting ready to board the plane the first time, we were at this little church in Michigan, and they were taking up an offering for world missions. And there was this family that was there. And they gave to that offering, but they did not give the way that others did. They felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit to take all the money that was budgeted for their Christmas, for their family, for their kids, and they put all of it into the offering plate. Standing there with their children, they gave their Christmas to us. Now, after all of the tears and the hugs, my wife and I, we, we boarded the plane and we flew to London 
we established our home, and then I walked out onto the local high street of Bromley, which is in the southeast part of London. The high street is what you call Main Street. Every village in London has a high street. And every high street is filled with people who are lost and without Christ. And it was there that I met a young man by the name of Jamal, along with his soon-to-be wife named Sakili. Jamal was an atheist, and I met with him six times over coffee, pouring the gospel of Jesus Christ into them, and every single, every single time he rejected Christ. It was not long after that I met with Jamal again. He explained to me that as he was waiting for his train one Sunday afternoon, as all of us Londoners do, he said without any explanation, something came over him and he knew in that moment that everything I had been telling him was the truth. Him and his wife both gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. We baptized them and I spent the next year discipling them. Jamal began to scribble things down that he would hear from my sermons, and he went home and he led his mother to the Lord. And not long after that, they received a job opportunity here in Vermont, in the United States, and they moved there, and what they did while they were there, they established a ministry where they now go out onto the street and are soul winners. Now, let me ask you a question. When I get to heaven, okay, think about it. When I get to heaven, to whom will the rewards be given? Will they give them to me? Or will they give them to that family who sacrificed everything they had to send me? Just as the Apostle Paul said, how will they hear without a preacher, but how will they preach except they be sent? So I come to you this morning not as a preacher, but as a beggar. And that's often looked upon as a position of shame, but I count it an honor. Because I do not beg for myself, I beg for others. I come to High Street Church to tell you that there are high streets, not just in London, but all over the world that are filled with souls who are without hope and without Christ. There are high streets all over this world that are filled with poor people. And I mean people who are poor in the truest sense, it is not their pockets that are empty, but their souls. It is not their bellies that are hungry, but their spirit. It is not their hands and feet that are filthy, but their hearts. I beg you on their account. There is this wonderful little proverb that was written by Solomon, the king of Israel. He wrote that whenever you have pity upon the poor, then what you are actually doing is you are lending your money to the Lord and he will repay whatever you give. You see, this universe is built upon a principle of sowing and reaping. But what is so special about this principle is that whenever you sow, something magical happens. Like the acorn to the oak, what you get back is always different than what you sowed. And what you get back is always better than what you sowed, and what you get back is always more than you sowed. See, that's the way that the Lord repays us. When he pays us back for what we give, he always pays us back different, better, and more. 
So you see that taking pity upon those who are poor, truly poor, spiritually poor, without Christ, when we take pity upon them, it is not just the kind thing to do, it is also wise. We look around and we see how full we are with the spiritual riches of God's word in this church, aren't we? We are full with the spiritual riches of God's word. Our hearts are overflowing with Christ. Our spirits are filled and running over with hope. We have praise and worship just running down the walls of this place, and we have love and fellowship to spare. If we have been so blessed with spiritual riches, is it not our least duty to minister to them, our physical ones? According to Romans 1.14, he says, we are debtors to those who do not know Christ. Because they are a human being, we owe it to them to share the gospel with them. And if we do not owe it to them, do we not at least owe it to our Lord and Savior who became poor so that we could be so rich? That is why I come to you this morning as a beggar. I plead with you on behalf of their souls. I want to change the way you look at your money. Whenever you look at your dollars, I want you to see disciples. When you look at your savings, I want you to see souls. But I do not beg only for them. I also beg on your behalf as well. There are only two things in this world that last forever, the word of God and the souls of men. And it is the very purpose of our existence to take the one and invest it in the other. When I beg you this morning, it is not because I need it. It is because you do. My desire for you is that you do not show up to heaven empty-handed. The apostle Paul wrote the same thing to his church in Macedonia. He said, whenever you give to me as your missionary, all the souls that I win are then added to your account in heaven. And John 15, 8 says the very reason why we are here is to win souls. And when we stand before the Lord, the Lord is going to ask us one question. Where are your souls? Do you have any? You see, these cards now, I hope they look a little different to us. Because it is not the missionary who needs to receive it. It is us who needs to give it. When you give and send missionaries out into the world, that is a guaranteed soul that is added to your account in heaven. This is not just a kind thing to do. That's just smart money. These commitment cards that we have in front of us, they are not a religious stunt. They are not just an act of charity. They are not just a symbol of your love for Christ. They are an opportunity. Today, right now, is your chance to stand right in the center of God's will. This is your chance to exchange the temporal riches for the eternal ones that never depreciate. This is your chance not simply to submit your commitment card. This is a chance for your spirit to be united with Christ and his cause to rescue sinners. This is a chance for you to rescue your own life from this world and finally begin to live like those who are risen from the grave. This is the reason why my wife and I have made a personal resolution. Our resolution is to gather to ourselves as much pleasure as we can in the next life. 
We do not want to exist. We want to live. And that is why I beg you this morning. I beg you because your money will save souls. But I beg you for something more. I beg you because I want you to give. And why? I want you to give because when you give, you might save their soul. That is true. But you also might just change your life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Boy, I appreciate all of our missionaries. And so, uh, you know, now it's time for us to think about what we're gonna do. So here's the question, are you gonna do something? And how we do that is we have these commitment cards where we invite you to just think about it and pray about it and then decide what you're gonna do. Uh, what are you gonna give? It's You'll, you'll notice there's not a place for your name here. This is really a personal exercise of committing to the cause of missions. And so um, if you would bow your heads right now, we're gonna pray and ask God to, to speak to us.